Chapter Sixteen of Murder at Bridge. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Nicole Carl, St. Louis, Missouri, September 2007. Murder at Bridge by Anne Austin. Chapter Sixteen. Of course, I recognized his voice instantly when he said, "'That you, Penny?' "'And it's a wonder I didn't scream,' said Penny Crane, fighting her way up through dazed bewilderment to explain in detail, an answer to Dundee's pelting questions. I said, "'Of course, Ralph, where have you been?' And he said, in that coaxing, teasing voice of his that I know so well, "'Peeved, Penny? I don't blame you, honey. You really ought not to let me come over and explain why I stood you up last night, but you will.' won't you nice penny that's exactly how he talked bonnie dundee exactly oh don't you see how he couldn't know that nita is dead did you ask him where he was dundee asked finally no i just told him to come on over and he said i could depend on it that he wouldn't waste any time oh bonnie what shall we do "'Listen, Penny,' Dundee urged rapidly. "'You must realize that I've got to see and hear, "'but I don't want Ralph Hammond to see me "'until after he's had a talk with you. "'Will you let me eavesdrop behind these portiers? "'I know it's a beastly thing to do, but—' "'Penny agreed at last, "'and within ten minutes after that amazing telephone call, "'Dundee, from behind the portiers "'that separated the dining and living room, "'heard Penny greeting her visitor in the little foyer.' She had played fair, had not gone out into the hall to whisper a warning, if a warning was needed. He had seen Ralph Hammond enter the dining-room of the Stewart house the day before, in company with Clive Hammond and Polly Beale, when the three had been strangers to him. But Dundee told himself now that he would hardly have recognized the young man whom Penny was preceding into her living-room. The Ralph Hammond of Saturday had had a white, drawn face and sick eyes, but this boy— like his older brother Clive, Ralph Hammond had dark red curling hair, but unlike his brother's, his eyes were a wide, candid hazel, the green iris thickly flecked with brown, a little shorter than Clive, a trifle more slender. But that which held the detective's eyes was something less tangible, but at once more evident than superlative masculine good looks. It was a sort of shy joyousness and buoyance which flushed the tan of his cheeks, sang in his voice, made his eyes almost unbearably bright. Before Penny Crane, very pale and quiet, could sink into the chair she was groping toward, Ralph Hammond was at her side, one arm going out to encircle her shoulders. "'Don't look like that, Penny!' Dundee heard him plead, his voice suddenly humble. "'You're very right to be sore at me, honey, but please don't be. I know I've been on awful cab these last few weeks.' "'But I'm myself again. I'm cured now. Penny—wait. Ralph,' Penny protested faintly, holding back as he would have hugged her hard against his breast. "'What about Nita?' Dundee saw the young man's face go darkly red, but heard him answer almost steadily. "'I'd hoped you'd understand without making me put it into words, honey. I'm cured of Nita. I can't express it any other way except to say I was sick.' and now i'm cured you mean penny faltered but with a swift imploring glance toward dundee you don't love nita any more 
"'You can't deny you were terribly in love with her, Ralph. "'Lois told us, told me, last night, "'that Nita had told her in strictest confidence "'that she had promised to marry you just Thursday night.' The boy's face was very pale as he dropped his hands from Penny's shoulders, but Dundee, from behind the portiers, was not troubling to spy for the moment. He was too indignant with Penny for having withheld from him the vital fact of Nita's engagement to Ralph Hammond. "'That's true, Penny,' Ralph was saying dully. "'You have a right to know, because I'm asking you to marry me now. I did propose to Nita again Thursday night, and she did accept me. I confess now I was wild with happiness. Why did she refuse you before? Penny cut in, and Dundee silently thanked her for asking the question he would have liked to ask himself. Was it because she wasn't sure she was in love with you? You're making it awfully hard for me, honey, the boy protested, then admitted humbly. Of course you want to know, and you should know. No, she said all along, almost from the first, that she loved me more than I could love her, but that there were reasons, two reasons, she always said, and once I asked her jealously if they were both men, but she looked so startled and then laughed so queerly that I didn't ask again. Then I thought it might be because I was younger than she was, though I can't believe she is more than twenty-three or so, and I'm twenty-five, you know. And once I got cold-sick because I thought she might still be married. But she said her husband was married again, and I wasn't to ask questions or worry about him. But she did accept you Thursday night, Penny persisted. Yes, the boy admitted, his face darkly flushed again. This is awfully hard, honey, but I'll tell you once for all and get it over with. I, I took her to dinner. We drove to Burnsville because she said she was sick of Hamilton. When we were driving back, she suddenly became very queer, reckless, defiant, and she asked me if I still wanted to marry her, and I said I did. I asked her right then to say when, and she said she'd marry me June 1st, but she added, and the boy to Dundee's watching eyes seemed to be genuinely puzzled again by what must have sounded so odd at the time that she'd marry me June 1st if she lived to see the day. Oh! Penny gasped then, controlling her horror. She asked with what sounded like real curiosity. Then what happened, Ralph? Why did you propose to her on Thursday and to me on, on Sunday? Gorgeous actress, sacrificed to the typewriter. Dundee told himself as he waited for Ralph Hammond's reluctant reply. Can't we forget it, honey? You do love me a little, don't you? Can't you take my word for it that I'm cured now, forever? Penny's hands went up to cover her face, and Dundee had the grace to feel very sorry indeed for her, sorry even if she intended to give her promise to Ralph Hammond, as a sick feeling in his stomach prophesied that she was about to do. How can I know you're really cured if I don't know what cured you? I suppose you're right, the boy admitted miserably. There's no need to ask you not to tell anyone else, although I don't want to see her again, ever. Why, Penny, I couldn't even tell Polly and Clive yesterday after it happened, though Polly guessed and went upstairs. I tried to keep her back. 
"'I don't quite understand, Ralph,' Penny interrupted. "'You mean something happened when you were at Nita's house yesterday morning?' "'Yes. Judge Marshall had promised Nita to have the unfinished half of the top story turned into a maid's bedroom and bath and a guest bedroom and bath. Clive let me go to make the estimates. Of course I was glad of the chance to see Nita again. I hadn't been with her since Thursday night. But she had to take Lydia in for a dentist's appointment, and they left me alone in the house.' I had to go into the finished half to make some measurements, and in the bedroom I found—oh, God, he groaned and pressed a fist against his trembling mouth. You found that Dexter Sprague was staying there, unusing the bedroom that used to be mine, didn't you? Penny helped him at last in desperation. How did you know? The boy stared at the girl blankly for a moment, then seemed to crumple as if from a new blow. I suppose it was common gossip that Nita and Sprague were lovers, and I was the only one she fooled. My God, to think all of you would stand by and let me marry her, a cheap little gold digger from Broadway, living with a cheap four-flusher she couldn't get along without, and had to send for— Did you want to kill her, Ralph? Penny whispered, touching one of his knotted fists with a trembling hand. Kill her? "'Good Lord, no!' the boy flung at her violently. "'I'm not such an ass as that. You girls are all alike. Polly had so little sense as to think I'd want to kill Nita and Sprague both. She couldn't see, and neither could Clive, that all I wanted was to get away from everybody and get so drunk I could forget what a fool I'd been.' "'What did you do, Ralph?' Penny asked urgently. "'Why, I got drunk, of course.' the boy answered, as if surprised at her persistence. "'Darling, you wouldn't believe me if I told you how much rot-gut scotch it took to put me under, but that filthy bootlegging hotel clerk would have charged me twice what he did for the stuff if he had known how much good it would do me.' "'Hotel?' Penny snatched at the vital word. "'Where did you go to get drunk, Ralph?' "'I never realized before that you had so much curiosity, honey,' the boy grinned at her. "'After I shook Clive,' Polly went on to Nita's bridge party, because she couldn't throw her down at the last minute. I wandered around until I came to the railroad men's hotel, down on State Street, you know, the other side of the tracks. It's a miserable dump, but I sort of hankered for a place to hide in that was as miserable and cheap as I felt. Did you register under your own name? Ashamed of me, Penny? No, I registered under my first two names, Ralph Edwards. And the rat-faced, filthy little hotel clerk turned out to be a bootlegger. Well, when I woke up about eleven this morning, I give you my word I wasn't sick and headachy, though God knows I drunk enough to put me out for a week. Penny, I woke up feeling—well, I can't explain it, but to say I felt light and new and clean, all washed up. At first I thought my heart was empty, it felt so free of pain, but as I lay there thanking God that that was that— I found my heart wasn't empty at all. It was brimming full of love. Gosh, honey, I sound like a Laura Jean Libby hero, don't I? But before I rang you from the lunchroom where I ate breakfast, I wrote Nita a special delivery note, telling her it was all off. I had to be free, actually, before I could ask you. You will marry me, won't you, Penny, honey? I knew this morning I had never really loved anyone else. Penelope Crane remained rigid for a moment. 
Then very slowly she laid both her hands on his head, for he had knelt and buried his face against her skirt. But as she spoke, her brown eyes, enormous in her white face, were upon Dundee, who had stepped silently from behind the portiers. "'Yes, I'll marry you, Ralph. You may come in now, Mr. Dundee.'" End of chapter 16